Stu Does America. Head over to YouTube.com slash Stu Does America. We need you to join us for our GOP debate overtime. It's tomorrow night on my YouTube channel. You'll see the event that we set up. Just go there, throw a little like on there, maybe a comment too. I mean, maybe a reminder and invite all your friends. We would love that. Do all the things. YouTube.com slash Stu Does America. It's up there now. Don't miss it. It's going to be in addition to our Blaze TV coverage, which is going to be a lot of fun as well. But we start by doing the Republican debate preview. Yes, it's tomorrow night. We're going to be preempted tomorrow night for Blaze TV coverage, but we're going to have great coverage here uh, all night long. You don't want to miss that. And there's now eight candidates that have qualified for the 2024 presidential uh, debate. We're going to go through all of them here and kind of talk about what they can do with a game plan. We're going to break it down NFL pregame show style here because I think that's how, the way we have to look at this. It's going to be interesting. And I will say our worst fears of 29,634 candidates making the stage didn't wind up happening, luckily. We talked a little bit about that earlier in the week. Uh, it wound up being eight. Uh, I don't know if they manipulated the rules to keep the, the field at eight, but we got eight candidates on stage. Not all of them, I would say, deserve first stage appearances, but... What are you going to do? This is what we're going to see tomorrow night. And it's going to be, I think, an interesting night. Um, there's an argument to be made that, look, Trump not being there helps these candidates. They've got a chance to steal the spotlight for once away from Trump. This is, might be their only chance to be able to do that. We'll see what happens. So let's start with uh, our eight candidates. We start with Doug Burgum. Yes, Burgumania is in action. Doug Burgum is the governor of North Dakota. And Doug, uh, Doug Bergamentum uh, got him into the field, which is a, kind of a surprise. I remember when he announced, no one really thought he would have any chance of making this. So let's go through kind of what he needs to do here. The game plan for Doug Bergam, Bergamentum. What is the game plan here? Well, you need to introduce yourself to the nation. No one knows who Doug Bergam is at this point, And it makes it difficult to win the presidency when no one knows who you are outside of North Dakota. And I'm kind of convinced about 65% of people in North Dakota don't know who he is. He's a big businessman. You know, he seems to be making a pitch when it comes to uh, kind of a return to old school Republicans, uh, kind of maybe you'd call it big business, big farm Republicans. I don't know that that's something there's a huge uh, appetite for. And I would say this is probably his weakness, uh, his biggest weakness is going to be, look, he's out of step right now with the voters that are going to vote in the primary. Um, and his biggest weakness is going to be lack of name recognition. He's going to have to try to have a moment um, and he's going to have to try to introduce himself kind of at the same time. That's not an easy feat. It's not easy to uh, pull off, the, you know, but I will say at least he doesn't have a lot of negatives associated with him. I don't think he has anything associated with him. So, I mean, he's starting from ground zero. The stakes of this are... I would say relatively low. He has very little chance of actually winning the nomination. What he does have, however, are, is a lot of money. And so he can spend his way to get into a couple of these debates, you, you would say. He's going to be in your face for a little while. He's spending heavily in early states to try to get himself moved up the ladder there. The stakes are big. He can lose and really embarrass himself here and be gone forever. But having a solid performance could do enough to keep him around for a while and maybe at least get him to the vote in Iowa and maybe New Hampshire. So that is Doug Burgum. Next up, yes, he made the debate even after the Iowa catastrophe that he had here on Blaze TV. Asa Hutchinson, he's the former governor of Arkansas. And Asa comes into this with a, a strange sort of pitch. I don't think there's much appetite for it, but what's his game plan? Asa has pushed himself as sort of a, 
I don't know if you'd almost say a Bush-era Republican, a person who's calling out the excesses of the Trump years and a Trump critic is Asa Hutchinson, a big critic of Donald Trump. Uh, he's going to try to make an impact uh, to those people on the you know, maybe never Trump uh, region of the party. Now, that, party is, that part of the party is pretty small. Most people in that party have associated themselves with other candidates who have a much better chance of winning. Um, his weaknesses are clear. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, people don't really like what he's doing, uh, frankly. His positions are very weak. Uh, of course, criticizing Donald Trump and having that being the lead of your campaign is a real weakness uh, in this primary right now. Um, but he does have some ties to religious folk. He does have a, uh, you know, a resume of sorts, certainly more than some of the other candidates in this race. The stakes for Asa, Asa Hutchinson really are clear, and he'd really have to have some sort of dynamic moment to make any difference. Unlike, let's say, Doug Burgum, who no one knows anything about, at least him just showing up positively could make a difference in his campaign to have him stick around. Hutchinson's really a different story. He has to, uh, he has to convince people who already don't like him to start liking him, and I don't know. I mean, they, that's a real uphill battle here, as you saw in Iowa. Did not work out all that well. Up next, Chris Christie. He is, of course, the former governor of New Jersey, and Christie comes in with a game plan that is quite, quite clear. Attack, 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 attack. You know, Christie does have some positives, and I know that might be unpopular to say, but in reality, he's pretty good at debating. He's pretty good at calling out opponents. He's pretty good at insulting people. He's quick on his feet. He's a former, you know, he's got that legal background, which puts him in a position where he is actually pretty quick. It's why he was able to win in New Jersey in the first place. He's not completely untalented as a politician. Um, on the other hand, he has massive weaknesses. His biggest weakness is almost everyone in the party that he's running for the nomination for does not like him. That's not the type of thing you want on your resume when you're running for president. So the biggest weakness Chris Christie has is that he's largely despised by, his, by the voters that could put him in office. That's a problem. Um, another big weakness for, for Christie here is that the guy who he has entered the race to attack is not going to be there. So he's going to have to attack Donald Trump in absentia and say, hey, well, this guy's too weak. He's cowardly. He won't show up. He'll certainly go those areas. I think what's interesting about Christie's performance tomorrow night will be, does he decide, I'm going to tear down everything else in the party as well? I think he probably will. I don't think that there's much going on for Christie other than trying to audition for an MSNBC contract or something in that realm, trying to sell books to liberals. And, you know, if he, for him to do that, it doesn't help him to just... Uh, attack Donald Trump and help Ron DeSantis do the same or help Vivek Ramaswamy do the same or help Tim Scott or whatever. He wants to, he's going to tear down everything around him so he can go back on MSNBC and say not only is Donald Trump evil, but so is Ron DeSantis and so is Tim Scott and so is Nikki Haley. So we'll see how that goes. My guess is uh, that is, uh, he is going to be his game plan and his weaknesses are quite clear. He, I mean, his unfavorables are off the chart. For a candidate that is is legitimately showing up relatively well in a state like North, uh, New Hampshire, I, the party does not like this guy, and you know I don't think there's any way he could overcome that. Uh, that so the stakes at some level are low. I mean, I, you know, 
He's, he claims to be a guy who just wants to get rid of Donald Trump because Trump is so bad and uniquely terrible for this country. Yet when asked about people like Ron DeSantis, he seems to go after them just as fervently. The stakes for him are pretty low. There's not really a huge upside here. What he needs to do is stay in the race, at least until New Hampshire. If you think about a game plan for Chris Christie here, well, the game plan may very well be stick around, get to New Hampshire, hope a bunch of people drop out and it comes down to you and Trump. And then maybe, maybe, maybe you'd have a chance. But I mean, that chance is really, really low. Nikki Haley is up next. She's a former governor of South Carolina. The game plan for Haley it, right now seems to be pretty clear. And that seems to be don't offend voters in the party. Stay kind of quiet and subtle. Uh, she's not backing off of her viewpoints. And at this point, you know, for example, her viewpoint on Ukraine is probably out of step with the average voter. I don't think it would have been out of step, um, you know, 10 years ago, but it, it is probably right now when it comes to the Republican primary voter. But her plan is not necessarily to rock the boat. Her game plan seems to be, look, I'll stay back. I'll stay consistent. I'll be a logical, solid choice if Trump and DeSantis flame out. There's no reason Nikki Haley couldn't be that next person. And instead of being aggressive and trying to tear down everybody around her, she's saying, look, I'll stay solid. Maybe I'll be a VP choice for somebody and I'll stay here in case uh, the other people around me sort of fall down. It's not a crazy strategy, honestly. Weaknesses are, as I pointed out, her positions on certain issues are more reminiscent of a Mitt Romney-type party, a 2012 party, even though I think she's more conservative than Romney certainly is at this point. But, you know, she, and you know, her record is certainly better than Romney's ever was. But like that era of the party where you were talking about a party that was maybe more outwardly friendly to business, more aggressive on the foreign policy side, it doesn't feel completely in step with where the Republican Party is right now, but her record is pretty good. I mean, her record as governor of South Carolina was pretty solid. She uh, didn't have, I mean, she did pretty well when she was called upon, uh, you know, as an ambassador to the UN. And if she can kind of stay solid and hang around for a while, maybe she can hang around all the way to South Carolina. If you finish second in Iowa or third in Iowa and second in New Hampshire, and then you go to your home state, that might be a path to being the non-Trump option. The stakes for her are, are pretty solid. She can't have a disaster here. You know, she has to have a decent debate. But she was pretty good on stage in Iowa uh, when we talked to her last time. And, you know, she's not, she doesn't embarrass herself. There's, there's nothing, there's not a huge amount of, like, negatives or, or hatred towards Nikki Haley, really. She just hasn't distinguished herself. If she can have a good moment where she is able to distinguish herself in that way, uh, she could rise up and become that third or fourth option, which is about, she's at the bottom end of that now. She can move up to the top of that and maybe challenge for number two if she has a good performance. Tim Scott is next. Now, Tim Scott's game plan has been pretty clear since he walked into the race. I'm going to be present a, a positive, optimistic version, a sort of Reagan Republican version of the Republican message. This is something that obviously has worked for a lot of candidates on the Republican side before. Um, you know, saying, hey, we have good things. This isn't the utter dark Brandon catastrophe that we're, we're, uh, we're worried about. Sure, Biden's been really bad, but our future is bright. And you can see that contrast. He's got a lot of energy. The energy's quirky. 
you gotta have, you gotta be in the mood for it. It's like a certain type of uh, movie. You gotta be in the mood for uh, an Adam Sandler comedy. You gotta be in the mood for the Tim Scott energy. Some people don't like it, feel, feel it's a little forced. Um, but a positive vision is something that it's probably good that we have somebody representing uh, in the field. A lot of people telling you, you know, things are really bad. Look, they are really bad in comparison to what we could be. But in comparison to a lot of other places on Earth, things are still pretty good. We still have a lot to live for here in the United States. Weaknesses, you know, I think the quirky energy thing is a weakness. Again, I think you find a disconnect with on foreign policy with a lot of Republicans this, these days with Tim Scott. Um, he, he is able to raise a lot of money. People see that at some level tied to the establishment and really anything establishment right now is a problem for a candidate. You can see how that develops quickly, even when there's just a side comment or you get one supporter who is sort of seen as establishment that ties to you and all of a sudden you're an establishment person. It's not always fair, it's not always rational, but it can follow Tim Scott around. The stakes are really big for, for Scott here. He needs to be good. He, you know, For Scott here, him being the best candidate in the field would go a long way. He is competitive. In Iowa, and when I mean competitive, he's above the also-rans, okay? He's probably third in Iowa. He's probably third or fourth in New Hampshire. And if you get through those two states, the same path as Nikki Haley applies. You go to your home state in South Carolina, maybe you win there, and you're in this conversation. It's not crazy. You also could see if someone like DeSantis were to falter. If Vivek Ramaswamy is to falter, those people may, probably a lot of them aren't going to Trump. A lot of them may fall to Tim Scott. And if the, if the party coalesces around Scott before we get to these votes, uh, you know, you could see Scott winning Iowa. You could see Scott being very competitive in New Hampshire and maybe winning his home state of South Carolina. Again, these are all narrow paths. To be clear, I've told you a hundred times that I think Donald Trump is overwhelmingly the favorite and he would have to choke to lose this nomination. Uh, but that is possible. And if, if you are another candidate, what else do you do but plan for that? You can try to cause it, of course, but you have to set yourself up for being the other option if Trump is to collapse. And that is what would have to happen at this point. Stakes are big for Tim Scott. He needs a, a good showing to show he should be the number two choice. Next up, Mike Pence. Uh, he is, of course, the former vice president. Uh, the game plan has been interesting. Honestly, I think there was a pretty clear game plan for Mike Pence coming into this, which was, I'll, I'll write the bumper stick for you, all the good without the bad. That's your pitch if you are uh, Mike Pence. Now, I don't know if you, people would buy that, but like it's a pretty clear pitch if you're Mike Pence. Hey, you like the Trump administration. Remember all those things that you liked? I was there for all of them. And now, at the end of the time, you had January 6th, you had all the, the election stuff, you had all the bad tweets and all the fights with, with random celebrities and all that crap you might not have liked. I don't do any of that stuff. I'll give you the policies without the nonsense. That should have been the game plan for Mike Pence. Instead, he came out and said, like, I'm going to run as this sort of old school Republican. Remember those times, which was out of step with the administration he served in. So he hasn't been able to really win over the former Trump voters. And he hasn't really been able to win over 
the old school Republican voters, the old school Reagan Republican who look at him and say, hey, wait a minute, you were you showed fealty to Donald Trump every single day until January 6, 2021. We're going to find somebody else to give us that vision. So, you know, again, the game plan is strange for him. Uh, I think he should go the other direction, frankly, but it's probably too late for that. Weaknesses are immense. I mean, uh, you know, he has massive negatives and the the Trump, the people who like Trump, who are angry about the 2020 situation, blame Mike Pence. Do I think that is fair? The answer to that is no, it's not fair. Uh, he should not have overturned the election on January 6th. It makes no sense as a system of government to have sitting vice presidents able to overrule their opponents they just lost to. You might think he won. I, there's legal processes to set up on that. I understand how you know people get worked up about this. But the bottom line was Pence was loyal to Trump you know, really the entire presidency. And honestly, that was the thing that people criticized about him. There's no way they're going to let Michael. There's no way that the average Trump voter is going to let Mike Pence win this nomination. It's not going to happen. The, if Trump falters, they're going to pick somebody else. Uh, the stakes, I think, are incredibly low for Mike Pence. Honestly, he's got no room to maneuver here. What he can do is maybe set himself up for his next gig. That's probably the best he can do here, I think, uh, the way this has gone. Vivek Ramaswamy is next. Of course, entrepreneur, author. He's been on this program. He's been on a radio show a bunch of times. I mean, most of these guys have been on the show. Uh, but I bring up Vivek because he was on the show before he was a candidate. We didn't know him for his politics. We knew him for his books. We knew he was a very very competent speaker and communicator. His game plan is to go in there and present a vision for America that uh, is uh, bold. And he's been doing that the entire time. People talk about him as having fealty to Trump. Uh, maybe he's a Trump also ran. That might be true. I, I, if he wants to win this nomination, at some point he's going to have to differentiate himself from that movement. But right now, probably isn't that time. What he needs to do is show just have a solid performance. Show the Vivek Ramaswamy that has shown up over the past few months. A good communicator who has a bold vision for the country and uh, is going to agree with many of the voters who like Trump and are disappointed he's not there. He could win some of those people over. He's certainly a best, better messenger for that movement than Donald Trump is. Trump obviously has his flaws as a communicator and has his flaws uh, as a candidate. Vivek Ramaswamy you know, look, he's going to present a very competent, young, vibrant vision of what Trump has sort of been pitching. Uh, and I think it's going to I think he's going to do really well, frankly. I think uh, he has a, a lot of upside here. Weaknesses. He's going to get hit by he's going to get attacked. Honestly, uh, this is going to be the first time he's really faced that. And he's going to get it from DeSantis. He's going to get it from other candidates. They see him as a rising star. They got to knock him down. The chat GPT of candidates is going to be probably one of the directions they go here. He looks almost too refined, too perfect as a candidate. He never messes up, never says um. um they will also hit him on his 9-11 comments. I honestly don't know enough about the context yet to know if that's a legitimate attack or just a political attack. We'll have to get into that. The stakes are huge for Ramaswamy. A big performance here might vault him into second place. It is a big deal. It also would be the, a bright stage for him as a potential VP candidate. Stakes are massive. If he screws up royally, it could destroy him. Uh, the stakes are massive for Vivek. And finally, Ron DeSantis. Well, we know his game plan. Uh, and his game plan has been to be a professionalized version of Donald Trump, a guy who will be aggressive, who will give you the things that you like out of Donald Trump, but without the big time negatives. So far, hasn't really worked. But honestly, you also have to argue it hasn't really been in front of people like it's going to be in front of people tonight. People like DeSantis. You know, you look at the favorables. His favorables are really strong. They're about as good as Donald Trump's are in the party. 
The question is, you're going to look at Trump voters and say, do you want Trump or do you want DeSantis? And uh, right now, so far, it's been Trump. But this is DeSantis' time to shine. This is a big, big day. His weaknesses, look, his weaknesses aren't that large, honestly. He's a good candidate. He has a great record as governor. He has not necessarily been the communicator you'd like him to be, though I don't find his style off-putting. Some people do. But the stakes are massive. These are the, this is the biggest day of Ron DeSantis' political career. He has a chance without Trump on stage to make an impression to tighten this race. If he has a great performance, he can do that. He can knock out some of these lower candidates. He can shave off some votes from Trump. He can make a huge difference. He can convince some people who are locked into Trump and think there's no other candidates that, wait a minute, this guy's actually really good. I might switch. He can do that with a great performance, but that's really what he needs. He also can blow up his entire campaign with a bad performance. The stakes are massive. And while Trump might not be there, it is a big deal tomorrow. We have candidates that can make themselves and candidates that can break themselves on stage. We're going to go into this on our debate coverage tomorrow night. Join us, blazetv.com slash stew. Uh, use the code will not be, what is it? Will not be, why can't I think of it? Censored, will not be censored. 30 bucks off right now. Plus, the after coverage, overtime uh, at Stu Does America's webs- uh, YouTube page, youtube.com slash Stu Does America. We're going to talk more debate with Sarah Gonzalez next. Ladies, uh, ladies, do you look in the mirror? Do you, I don't know, do you like what you see? I hope you do. You're beautiful. But if you have a dark spot, maybe some sun damage from something previous, what are you going to do about that? Well, how about the dark spot corrector from GenuCell? It's right in time for the summer. The dark spot corrector uh, has not one, but three cutting edge ingredients. It goes to work fast to target sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, even old, you know, old discoloration on your face and on your hands. You'll be amazed at how quickly you see results. You can now enjoy your summer sun, beach, and barbecues without the embarrassing spots with GenuCell. You will see the results or your money back, no questions asked. So go to GenuCell.com right now. Get your dark spot corrector with the new GenuCell most popular package. Say goodbye to the pesky spots tomorrow. And if you're not blown away with the results, that's fine. Get 100% of your money back, no questions asked. Visit GenuCell.com slash stew. Right now, get the amazing essential summer essentials and save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package. Don't wait. GenuCell's most popular package is available now. Free shipping, free return, the best luxury skincare you've ever had, all at 70% off. GenuCell.com slash stew. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash stew. Ah, it's always great to be joined by Sarah Gonzalez, of course, the host of the news and why it matters right here on Blaze TV. Make sure to, uh, you know, you really should never miss an episode. And of course, subscribe uh, everywhere you you can. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think that was a great instruction you just gave the audience. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I tell them things I don't mean it at all. That one, I really do. This one, I felt it. I really do, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be on, I think, on Friday uh, Mm -hmm. this week. So we'll have some time to talk about the aftermath of whatever the heck happens tomorrow night. And we'll be on the coverage tomorrow night together. So we're going to have lots of time. You're going to be very sick of me by the end of the week. (laughs) Um, But we're looking today at the preview of the debate. We have, I mean, I I consider you America's foremost Doug Burgum expert. So uh, I love Doug Burgum. Doug what? What's his name? Doug Burgum? No, No. Burgum. I think it's Burgum. I love Doug Burgum. Think of Burgumania, you know? I love Burgumania. I'm a big, (laughs) I'm a, I love, North, 
Coda? Yes, North Dakota. You're hey. right. Yeah, yeah, you won the trip. I told you I love Doug Burgum. <laughs> exactly. For Burgum. Burgum. Um, what's interesting about this is I had a, a, a moment of, of paralyzing fear about a day or two ago where I started looking at the qualifications for this debate, and I was like, you could see 12 people on the stage. Luckily, that didn't happen. We're at eight. I mean, I think we can all agree, Burgum and Asa Hutchinson, I don't really care to hear from. But, uh, you know, probably six is the right number if Trump's not going to show up. How do you feel about this, uh, this debate and how it's going to play out tomorrow? I mean, I agree with you about, I don't know, I think the criteria was a little too low if we have people like Asa Hutchinson, if we have yeah. people like Doug Burgum. Yes, I know his name. <laughs> um, so I, I, it, that's frustrating to me. I'm also frustrated that Larry Elder didn't get in. Yeah. If because you're, if you're going to put another guy in, I mean, it should be elder. Right. And I mean, look, he says, I don't know, this is just what he says, but he says that they didn't count his poll because it was backed by Trump, one of his polls that he submitted, showing that he should actually make the cut. If that's the case, I mean, that's despicable. But just just for like sheer policy and um, I, I think he's good on the stage. I just I think he would have brought a good uh, a good vibe to the stage. I would have liked to have seen that. He's a tough debater. He too. really I mean, is. Larry he's Elder, so smart. He's not a guy you want to go up against. Honestly. No, he, it's, it's just one of the you know, he's very good on stage. He's he's been doing this for years and years and years. He knows policy. He knows conservative audiences mm -hmm. like he'd be one I'd be kind of scared of if I was on that stage against him. Yeah, because think who is going to be that person when with Trump gone? Who is going to be the guy mm -hmm. who's going to go out, who's going to attack people, who's actually going to call people out, who's going to stir things up? Who will that be? Yeah. I, I, I can't think of anyone on that stage. Who'll do Other it. than Doug Burgum. I just want to make sure. Well, okay. But like, assuming, you, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously we, we take that. But like, I do feel like it's an interesting strategy thing for Trump. We'll get into Trump more in a minute, yeah. but Trump just decides not to go. And it's a very un-Trump-like thing to do. He's turned the stage, millions of eyeballs, over to these other people. Mm -hmm. This may be their biggest chance to make a dent. Trump won't be there to, you know, if, if Ron DeSantis is having a great moment, Trump would derail it. He would call him a name in the middle of a right. sentence. He would be able, that's what he does. Yes. He can't do that tomorrow night. This is their chance to have a moment. Who has a moment? I mean, I think when you're talking about the all of the Republicans, I think that Vivek is always the one who has the most gain, I think, because yeah. I think Ron DeSantis is at a disadvantage because he's been rightfully so repeating these talking points for a very long time when it comes to Florida. But we've already heard it all from him. Right. I haven't heard anything new from him in a very long time. It, again, that's not to take away from his track record, which is absolutely fantastic. He's a good candidate. I, he's a great candidate and he has a great track record to prove that he will implement the things that he says he will. Look at how much he's turned Florida red. I just haven't heard anything new from him because he's been so successful in Florida mm -hmm. in, in large part. So I think that when you're talking about who has the most to gain, I don't think it's anyone other than Vivek because people don't really know him well enough to know whether or not they like him. He's really good on, on the stage. Mm -hmm. He's really good in front of people. He's very well-spoken. Now I think that you know, if you went back into his history of previous tweets, you might find some flip-flopping and, you know, some contrasting opinions. And which that will be pointed holds, out tomorrow. Yep. I hope so, because which opinion he holds, I think, will be very important as we move forward. But that, uh, that cannot take away from the fact that he is very, very good on a stage in front of people. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, th I think it's interesting, too, because you think about um, just, I don't know, name recognition, familiarity, right? 
I don't, I'm making these numbers up, but probably 70% of people have some familiarity with Ron DeSantis, right? right? Like, he still has a gap of people who haven't started paying attention yet, but most people have some general sense of who DeSantis is and what he does. You know, Tim Scott might be a little bit less, Nikki Haley a little bit less, but Ramaswamy is probably more like 30%. Right. Right? There's a huge gap in, in, in awareness. It's, it's only political geeks and, you know, people who follow this stuff every day that have a sense of who he is. So there is a big, there's a, it's a big opportunity for Vivek tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that he, again, I think that he will excel on the stage um, when it comes to putting his points out there. Um, I just don't know that I fully buy into what he actually believes. Yeah, no, it's, there's definitely questions about that. Let me go to Chris Christie, because Christie has some stuff going for him. He's a, he's a good debater. He, he's good at insulting people. He's good mm-hmm. at being aggressive. Mm-hmm. The, he's good at eating. He's incredibly good at eating. That's a great point. That's actually probably his strongest point. Um, he could eat another candidate, and that would sh- shrink the field. That's one way he could do that. Um, but he is also a guy who um, uh, the, uh, the Republican voters pretty much hate. Like, they, yeah. they don't like Chris Christie at all. His, uh, his unfavorables are way off the charts. He is showing up re- polling relatively well in New Hampshire. So, I mean, he probably belongs on stage. But, like... His whole thing was, I'm going to get on stage and attack Donald Trump. That's been his plan since day one. Mm -hmm. Now Donald Trump's not there. What does Chris Christie do? I think that he still attacks Donald Trump as if he were there. I think Mm. he attacks, uh, I don't know how he attacks his policy as far as the Donald Trump that was president uh, for so long until COVID hit, because he has a great track record if you look at his track record before COVID, right? Well, and Christie praised it all the way up until right. the election. Right. Like, he voted for him in right. 2020. Right. It's going to be hard to, to go after his record as right. president. For right. Him. So so I think that he is going to find things to insult Trump on, to go after him on, even though Trump is not there, because otherwise I don't know what else he does. Do you he, think he, he goes after Vivek and, and, and DeSantis? Is he attacking the entire field or is he just attacking Trump? That's a good question. I would say, if I had to guess, I think Chris Christie is going going into fighting mode. Mm-hmm. And uh, spread it around to everybody. Yeah, I think so. Because otherwise, how do you make a name for yourself when you're Chris Christie at this debate? It's it's probably your one shot, Yeah. right? I mean, I guess maybe you get another, but it's your one shot. You got to go all in. Mm-hmm. So why not go in swinging, I guess? I don't think he's going to be successful at it, right. but, I, but I, I would see him trying. What does Ron DeSantis have to do here? Because... I, I have some sympathy for um, for DeSantis and his campaign right now because I don't know what you do. Yeah. A poll came out the other day that said 71% of Trump voters tr- trust Trump to tell them the truth, and they o- only 63% trust their friends and family. Uh, 43% trust their religious leaders. Like when when these people trust Trump more than their friends, their family, and and their church, I don't know what he's supposed to do. He points out his record. You're right. Pretty much everybody's heard it at this right. point. When he has even the lightest criticism or the anything he says about Trump, the whole news cycle turns about how evil Ron DeSantis is for daring to say something negative about Trump. I mean, he's running against him. He's got to say something. Right. How does he how does he walk this line without turning off Trump voters and but trying to win them over because he has to? He can't just say, you know what, Trump is wonderful and I'm another guy who's running. That's right. not a campaign. Yeah, I think if I'm Ron DeSantis, I lean into all of the um, the emotions that Trump voters are having right now with Trump being indicted. They're pissed off at the weaponization of the DOJ. Mm-hmm. They're pissed off at the weaponization of the FBI. They're pissed off about how their president is being treated. And I think that there's a way that you can um, you can 
make sure that the voters know that you understand what their what their pain is. You understand that we're going to need to burn the whole thing down. I mean, I've heard Ron DeSantis say, I will no longer allow the weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI, but I haven't heard exactly what it is that he's going to do. I think he really has an opportunity to go all in on all of these things that Trump voters are pissed off about without having to call out Trump, without having to say Trump sucked at this or Trump sucked at that, but just say how you will change the Joe Biden regime and be very direct and very intentional about it. And act maybe like, use some incendiary language. Yeah, almost Get pissed act, off with them. Act like you're essentially already the general election candidate and I go after so. Biden. One of the things I thought was interesting was uh, you know, the reason why DeSantis is so popular and why I think pe- people on the right generally like him is you know, mainly a lot of it having to do with his COVID response, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a lot to criticize about Trump's COVID response that most Republican voters, I think, agree with. Uh, yeah. Not a huge amount of, uh, you know, Fauci fans out there. There's not a lot of, you know, like there's a lot of criticism. Lockdown fans. The, the DeSantis campaign has leaked out these these ideas that when they started calling them the Trump lockdowns, that was one of their ideas. OK, we'll, we'll just tie Trump to the lockdowns. He was kind of at the head of everything when all that happened. People turned on lockdowns. They went from negative on lockdowns to positive on lockdowns because the word Trump came in front of lockdowns. What are you supposed to do? I mean, it almost seems like the uh, Republican voters, at least at this point, have made the decision that, like, look, we don't think he lost in 2020. We think he got screwed. So I don't care what any of you people say. We're going with this guy one more time. That might be what they're facing. And if, if that's what they're facing, I don't know what you do. I agree with you. But I also think that we're in it's such an unprecedented time where we actually don't know if the leading Republican challenger is going to be thrown in jail at any given moment. (laughs) Right, right. That's a big deal. And how that changes the landscape, right? I mean, they're obviously, look, they want to get him off the ballot. They don't want him running. Mm -hmm. Clearly, they want him off the ballot and they will go to whatever lengths they have to to try to get him out of the race. So you got to hang on if you're a Ron DeSantis, if you're a Vivek, like, you have to hang on because you have no idea what's to is come. Is that what this contest is tomorrow night? Is, are we basically looking at, look, it's Trump's nomination unless something crazy happens. Yes. He goes to prison and has to drop out. Yes. And then or he blows himself up you right. know, in a, in a terrible campaign error. Right. And opens up the field like yes. there's nothing that these guys can do to win. They have to hope Trump loses. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly mm-hmm. right. Wow. Is that you have to bide your time. You have to keep grinding it out. You mm-hmm. have to keep telling the people why they should choose you and waiting to see how everything else plays out with Trump. And what's fascinating about that is that I think incentivizes none of these candidates to ever drop out. Like, right. why would you leave if that's your strategy? Yep. And in a way, if everyone stays in, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy that he's going to win. I mean, if everyone's broken up at eight and nine percent and Trump's at 45, like there's no way to change. I mean, it really it is a really difficult challenge for these guys. Um, all right. So take me forward. Let me give you this last one here. Okay. We get past all the d- d- debates. Let's just go f- to the future and let's just think about what happens here. Does Donald Trump, I mean, does Donald Trump go to prison? There's 90 some odd charges against him. I can't imagine the government is going to go 0 for 91, right? They're going to get something on him. It may rise to the level where he's supposed to go to prison. If he goes to prison, what the hell happens? I mean, I feel like we could have riots in the streets. I, I think everything's on the table if that happens. And I, I, I frankly, I'm scared of what could, what could go on. I agree because I know I've talked to a lot of people who, um, I think are a little naive and saying that would never happen in America. 
buddy, we're like a couple years past that would never happen yeah. in America wow. with what we're seeing happen in America. So I absolutely think that there is a high probability that he does go to prison. Otherwise, otherwise, why do all of this? Why do they right. do all of this if the end goal, if they're not prepared to put him in prison? If he goes to prison, does he win the nomination still? I mean, I feel... I, I, I and then know. does he win the presidency? Is he... From do they move prison? the white... Do they paint the jail cell white and then just call it the White House? <laughs> what, what happens at the end of this? Well, and that's why I, I'm saying, like, I think if you're a Ron DeSantis or a Vivek Ramaswamy, um, you're waiting to see how this shakes out because... Depending on what happens and if he does go to prison and if even if he doesn't drop out, let's say that he still somehow is able to run from prison and, and all of that. Um, be, there may be some voters who, I don't know, might think that's a little unstable and mm. choose someone else at that particular time, even right. though they like Trump. Right. I think that and, and certainly I think in the general election, that would be a real. I, it would be hard for me to imagine a general election audience voting him in. But honestly. Yeah. Who knows at this point? I, I, and who knows? It might be both of them. They, it might be Biden and Trump in two cells next to each other that's doing the debates. You could, have, you could have podiums in the, in the cells. Oh, I'm here for that debate. Oh, that's, there we go. That's where we got to go. That's, that's how this has got to end. <laughs> this is how it's going to end. All right. So uh, don't forget, tomorrow night, I'm going to be with Sarah Gonzalez and, and many of our other uh, friends here at The Blaze on the debate coverage. I don't know when it starts exactly, but just go to blazetv.com. <laughs> Uh, slash do uh, use the promo code will not be censored you'll save 30 bucks off your subscription and of course you can get the news and why it matters uh, so we're going to be doing d- debate coverage and then we'll look at it uh, at the aftermath on the post show first on Wednesday and then on Friday again we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking about that partially as well on the news and why it matters together with Eric July I think yes. uh, so it's going to be a great show don't miss it uh, news and why it matters every weekday Sarah thanks so much for coming on the program thank you for having me Well, eventually, uh, if you're in a blue state, you probably want to move. And about, I don't know, 80% of the population of the states have decided they're going to come to a red state. We welcome you here if you're sane, only if you're sane. Uh, But if you're moving to a new area, you're going to need a real estate agent on both sides of that transaction. Don't pick a friend of a friend of a friend. Don't pick somebody you see, uh, you know, on some random uh, bench ad. Instead, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. You go there, you get the best agent in your area, the agent with the best results, and then you are able to have the best transaction possible on both sides, the best price on both sides, making sure you're taken care of with someone that you actually trust. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. The name kind of says it all, whether you're buying or selling your home. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Really? Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home. On a sunny Sunday? On a little lake. It's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond. Ah, It hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. This Make a long story, story short, I've ever heard. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. Oh, I bet they think that's hilarious. You're joking about your car being lost when they've lost, you know, all of their homes. Um, Biden, uh, you know, look, the comments were ridiculous, but let me focus on something else briefly here. The lay. Look, I know the lay is part of the culture, but 
when you're addressing a bunch of people who 100 plus pe- people are dead and they've lost their homes, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. Now, look, to me, the lay is just like this thing they have when you're talking about vacations, right? Like you show up on vacation, they put a lay on, and that's the big thing. Uh, when it comes to your president of the United States making a speech of a national tragedy, like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem appropriate to me. Uh, by the way, uh, it's at least was more appropriate than when he fell asleep. Here By someone is. they may have never met before. We are a community that relies Looks like he's asleep on there, family, doesn't he? On Ohana, whether by blood Kind of or a by little friendship. head shake there, so maybe he's listening. But like many others, or just my son's home has some disease down. that makes him shake. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, look, the Biden Maui response has been catastrophic. Um, it's been just absolutely horrible uh, politically and every other way. I hope I pray for the people of Maui, because if this is the guy they're depending on, they are screwed. Grip6 is a great company. Um, They make these great wallets, uh, great socks, great belts. I think they even make like pickleball rackets, uh, which are incredible. Um, They do this because they love their work. They are craftsmen and they want to make sure you have the best stuff that you can have. Uh, And they also love this country. You know, so many of the companies that we talk about on a daily basis really don't, they, they can't stand the country. They despise it in every single way. Um, Grip6 isn't like that. They care about you. They care about the nation that they live in. They source everything right here in this country. And I will say, if you're one of these people with like the George Costanza wallets that are like, you know, nine inches uh, thick, you got to check out their wallets. Their wallets are really, really cool. They're, excuse me, I got the worst hiccups right now. Totally different and uh, really kind of surprising, honestly. If you've never had a wallet like this, you got to check these things out. Uh, Use the code STU at Grip. Grip6.com slash stew. Grip6.com slash stew. Save 15% off right now. Grip the number 6.com slash stew. Get 15% off today. It's grip6.com slash stew. We spent a bunch of time on who was going to be in the debate. Of course, if you're running for president and you're not in the debate, eh, you know, unless you're Donald Trump, things got very, very difficult here for you uh, here uh, the last 24 hours. Um, Michigan's Perry Johnson was a businessman who spent a bunch of money and tried to get into the debate. He came pretty close, uh, is complaining that he got ripped off. Basically, they changed everything on him uh, to exclude him. Uh, the same kind of goes for Larry Elder, which, you know, if any of these candidates should be in the debate, Larry Elder should be in there. Uh, Binkley as well, uh, not, not going to go there. He's a, de- a Texas guy. And Will Hurd, another kind of MSNBC favorite. He is not going to be in the debate. So we can say with certainty that Will Hurd will not be heard. All right, debate is tomorrow night. We're not going to be off uh, for the regular show. I'll be joining Glenn Beck, Sarah Gonzalez, Dave Landau, Steve Dace tomorrow evening on Blaze TV. Uh, Make sure to subscribe, of course. We'll have pre-show, post-debate, and then during the actual debate, we'll be chatting with you live on the Blaze TV app. You'll see all of our commentary going on there. Make sure to check that out. Be part of the conversation. Head over to blazetv.com. And use the code DEBATE, blazetv.com slash stew. Use the code DEBATE at checkout. You will save 25% 
off your one-year subscription. We're looking forward to chatting with you and covering it. And of course, we're going to be doing something extra special here on my YouTube channel. Uh, extended coverage. It's uh, overtime with me on the debate. Go to youtube.com slash America. Drop in a comment. There's an event set up right now. Drop in a comment. Like the page. We'll see you tomorrow.